Hey, I'm Jesse. Welcome to our first devotion in Nehemiah. All right, if you're tracking along with us in the order of our study plan, uh, here's the story. We started off with John and then Acts, apologetics, evangelism, doctrine, church polity, and we did that through 1 Corinthians. And now as a church plant at the Redemption Church, we've arrived at the time where we need to raise funds to be able to purchase property to get into a permanent facility. And that timing came about in the middle of our study of 1 Corinthians that I wanted to go directly into 2 Corinthians thereafter. 2 Corinthians, beautiful, powerful, amazing, transformative text that I cannot wait to get back into the context for that. Uh, however, it has nothing to do with a building campaign. And I'm not gonna be one of those guys who reads from 2 Corinthians and it's like, and so God chose not to count men's sins against them. And they'd be like, and so give to the building campaign because it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. But we do have this beautiful passage, beautiful book in the Old Testament context that is about a literal building campaign. And as an expositor, I know that uh, among pastors, this is even considered cliche to like teach Nehemiah for your building campaign. Well, guess what? This is it. This is our first building campaign and this is the book that does this. This is our first devotion in the book of Nehemiah. I'm gonna go through some of this. I'm gonna read pretty fast, but I wanna tell you why, why this exists. All right, check out our sermon and our curriculum on Nehemiah for chapters one, uh, uh, chapter one through the end of chapter two, and then picking up after chapter three for the curriculum. But I wanna cover this in chapter three. It's gonna be a lot of names and a lot of pieces of what was covered. But what's so cool about this, and what I want you to hear in this is that they divided up the work and everybody did what they could. Here's chapter three, verse one. The high priest, Eliashib, and his fellow priests began rebuilding the sheep gate. They dedicated it and installed its doors. After building the wall to the tower of the hundred, the tower of Hananel, they dedicated it. The men of Jericho built next to Eliashib and next to Zakur, son of Imri, built. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They built it with beams and installed its doors and bolts and bars. Next to them, Merimoth, sons of Uriah, son of Hakaz, made repairs. Beside them, Meshulam, son of Berechiah, son of Meshezabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, son of Bana, made repairs. Beside them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not lift a finger to help their supervisors. Pause right there, that's kind of funny. <laughs> You've got everybody dividing up the work. All right, we've got the sheep gate. We've got the fish gate. We've got the doors and the knobs and the handles. And then you've got these nobles who are doing nothing to help. And they are refusing to contribute. It even says, did not lift a finger to help. And uh, it, uh, the literal translation is that they did not bring uh, their neck of the work of it. Like they, they didn't do any of their part because they were noble and they felt privileged. They felt like, I don't need to contribute. Everybody else kind of has their stuff covered. Quick thought, is that you? Just brief moment, gut check. Does that describe you and your view of the church? Whether you're part of the Redemption Church or some other church that's using JCM content right now, is that your view? of your church's building campaign or your church's financial status. Like, I'm just here, I'm gonna come in and enjoy the coffee. I'll have a donut. I'll stick around for the lunch afterward. 
I'll put my kids in the awesome kids programming and let them enjoy the cool gymnasium and my student, my teenager will go and get some great teaching and make some great friends and, and I'm gonna go enjoy like some re really great music, uh, listening to it through a sound system that costs this church a lot of money and, and enjoying the, the beautiful teaching and being edified personally. And then I'm gonna get in my car and go home. I'm not gonna so much use my gifts to serve at all. And uh, I'm, honestly, since you're offering it for free, I'm just gonna take advantage of that. I'm never gonna actually contribute. Like you're the one not lifting a finger, man. That's you. So before you make fun of the nobles of the Tekoites who did not lift a finger to help, check your heart. Sadly, this describes an, alar an alarmingly large percentage of Christians in the church. They do nothing to help. There's even like a phrase for it. I've served in churches in Florida and Tennessee and Washington, and, and I've, I've heard the same phrase over and over again that, you know, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Okay, if that's you, gut check moment. That's you in verse five of chapter three. Moving on. Joyada, son of Paseah, and Meshulam, son of Basodiae, repaired the old gate. They built it with beams and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Now, you'll notice that not everybody's contribution is equal in size. Some guys restored entire gates. Other guys installed doors and bolts and bars. All right, a gate is much bigger than just a door. But this team did what they could, and that team did what they could. Do you remember in Jesus' ministry when there's this offering scene going on, and you've got some people who are showing up and then dropping like $100,000 checks in the offering plate, if you will. Okay, that, that wasn't what it was like, but in our modern equivalent, that's what it's like. And then they would come down and it was like an offering contest. Everybody's trying to see like who's gonna offer the most. And then there's this widow who has just a mite, M-I-T-E, just like kind of the equivalent to like a nickel. And she just humbly comes up the halter and she just gives that. And then she walks away and then Jesus says, this woman has given the greatest gift of all. Now, quantitatively, has she given the greatest gift of all? No, but sacrificially, which matters more, she has. Why? Because the super crazy wealthy guys who were benefiting from the tax write-off anyway and just skimming off of their excess, giving a piece of their surplus, which was massive, to the church, good thing to do, that's really cool. This widow gave all that she had. And for that reason, even though arithmetically it was smaller, it was greatest of all the gifts that was given. It's okay if you can't personally afford to come and build the entire sheep gate, build the entire fish gate. If you've got, hey, I'll t I, can, I can do like a door. Give me one of the beams. I'll take some of the hinges. They're gonna be the most beautiful hinges you've ever had. You give what you can. You give what God lays on your heart. Because not everybody's contributing the same thing. Do you see that? Keep reading and listen to the different sizes of the gifts. Next to them, the repairs were done by Melatiah, the Gibeonite, Jadon, the Merathite, and the men of Gibeon and Mizpah, who were under the authority of the governor of the region of the west of the Euphrates River. That's quite a jurisdiction, isn't it? After him, Uziel, son of Harhai, the goldsmith, made repairs. And next to him, Hananiah, son of the perfumer, made repairs. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. All right, so you get this really wealthy guy. You got these guys with huge, uh, uh, under the authority of people with huge jurisdiction, just covering like huge swaths of the wall. 
All right, and then next to them, Rephiah, son of Hur, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. After them, Jediah, son of Har uh, sorry, I know I'm botching some of these names. Forgive me, it's been a while since I've been in Hebrew class. And I, I don't speak Hebrew often, I just read it. <laughs> right? Uh, Haramath made repairs across from his house. Next to him, Hattush, son of Hashbani, made repairs. Malchajah, son of Harim, Hasib, son of Pehath, Moab, made repairs on another section, as well as to the tower of the ovens. Beside him, Shalom, son of Halohesh, who ruled half the district of Jerusalem, made repairs. He and his daughters. Some guys are repairing huge portions of the wall. Other guys, they're just taking what they can. Some people come with massive resources to the table and they give in proportion to what they have. Other people, they don't have as many resources like the daughters of, the daughters of this ruler of half the district of Jerusalem. I mean, they didn't have anything of their own, but they, they're still there helping. They're doing what they can. Verse 13, Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoah repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars and repaired 500 yards of the wall to the dung gate. Okay, I know it's called the dung gate and that's weird, but like 500 yards worth of the wall compared to some of the other contributions that went, that went, <laughs> I mean, that covered like half the distance of the wall. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 14. Mal Malchijah, I believe is how that's pronounced, son of Rehab, ruler of the district of Beth uh, Hacharim, repaired the dung gate. He rebuilt it and installed its doors, bolts, and bars. Everybody's doing what they can, taking what piece they can. Some people are able to do more, some people are able to do less, but the combination of all their efforts is what leads to the collective success. Chapter three, I know, is a list of just like names and sections of walls, and I'm not, I'm, I mean, I've got, I've got degrees in this stuff, and I know that I'm not really reading the names properly, but their pronunciation isn't, isn't as important as their, their contribution and how they all added up. Some people took 500 yards, some people took more than that, some people just took doors and hinges and beams. Would you do what you can for your church? Would you listen to the Lord's command in the Old Testament, we had kind of three different versions of a tithe. You would give, uh, you'd give like 10% for the temple and its service and 10% really in the context of ancient Israel, which was living as a theocracy uh, for the sake of governance. That was kind of like your tax, if you were like a flat tax. And then you'd give something else in addition to that, just to, to help care for the poor. And now we're in the New Testament and the New Covenant, and it's a different context because we're not in a theocracy and we do pay taxes. So it's like, well, just see, how much do I give? Is there really a clear New Testament model for this? What the New Testament calls us to do is to give gladly, give generously. The, the literal translation about like God loves a cheerful giver is God loves a hilarious giver. Like, it's just gushing with joy and it's over the top and it's incredible. So. Tithing does make for a solid Old Testament precedent, giving one-tenth of your income to the church. That's one Old Testament precedent, but I would say that's a bare minimum. I mean, for my family, it has been. That's a bare minimum. If we give 10% of our income to our church one year, even while we're going through medical debt, even while we have a kid in the hospital, even when a member of our family, like in my household, dies, like no matter what's going on, we're always gonna give 10% and God has always been good to us. Nonetheless, that's a bare minimum because we'll also give more than that. We'll give above and beyond that. We'll do what we can. We're not, our offering isn't as big as other people's. And in fact, when I've served on staff at churches that took a, where I took a salary from the church, I was giving back to the church some of what it paid me. 
That, by the way, is a good thing for the church. It means that you're, you get a discount on your pastor. All right, if he tithes at least, you're actually getting him for only 90% of what you offered him in a salary package. So it, tithing is the bare minimum. You listen to what God lays on your heart to give to your church. Tithing is an Old Testament model, and that makes for a solid, that makes for, uh, you know, a, a solid biblical rubric if you don't know exactly what to give. But do listen to the Holy Spirit and do look at what God has given you. Because you may be the widow who's coming and giving everything that you have. Or you may be one of these guys who's taken, like, I've got 500 yards of the wall. In any case, do it cheerfully. Do it gladly. Give out of the overflow of your heart. Give because you love Jesus. Give because it's all his anyway. And you trust him. It's amazing. Tomorrow we're going to talk a little bit more about this. And get a little bit political. Not naming politicians, but talking about political philosophy. Because it turns out the libertarians are onto something. Let's talk about it tomorrow.